We are continuing in our message series on the wisdom literature. And when we're looking at the wisdom literature, we are looking specifically at, let me go through here. Sorry, let me click through this. Right. There we go. We are looking at the seven deadly sins through the lens of Proverbs. And so far we've looked at the first four. And today we are looking at the fifth one, which is sloth. Now, sloth is an interesting one because it shares a name with a cute little animal that looks like this. This is a real picture of a sloth. I didn't know a lot about sloths, and so I started to look up some things. For instance, did you know that sloths have the same hairstyle as the beetles? Isn't that interesting there? Or did you know that the Mona Lisa in her smile looks just like a sloth in its smile? Did you know that? I didn't know that. And so I wanted to find out more about sloth, so I opened up ChatGBT and I said, give me some sloth facts. And I was looking through the facts of a sloth and I realized I am more like a sloth than I want to admit. And so I'm going to show you a few ways that a sloth acts and a few ways that Eric acts. For instance, sloths are the slowest mammals. Sloths are known for their incredibly slow movement. They are considered one of the slowest mammals moving at a speed of about 0.03 miles per hour. When Paula asked me to do the laundry, or she asked me to clean the bathrooms, I move at a pace of about 0.03 miles per hour, just like a sloth. I'm very, very slow. Or what about this? They live a sleepy lifestyle. Sloths are famous for their long hours of sleep. They can sleep anywhere from 10 to 20 hours a day, depending on the species. Now, as much as I would love to sleep 10 to 20 hours, I can't. But let me tell you. When the alarm goes off in the morning, I hit snooze literally like six or seven times. And I know what some of you sleep experts are saying, Eric, that's really bad for you. I know. I'm like a sloth. I don't want to get out of bed, okay? So I am like a sloth in many ways. But the third way, I'm very much like a sloth, especially at the end. And I'm not going to hopefully have you judge me. We are in church, but it's just the truth. They're solitary creatures. Sloths are generally solitary animals. They come together only for mating purposes. (laughs) That's how I am like a sloth. I'm not going to go any further than that. Okay. I texted uh, Pastor Todd and Charles because they're giving this message. I go, hey guys, guess what? You're going to be talking about sloths and their mating. And they're like, oh my goodness, no way. (laughs) So there you go. But metaphorically speaking, even though they look cute and we may have some uh, characteristics in common with them, we don't want to be slothful. Because when you look at Proverbs, we realize that sloth is used interchangeably with the word sluggard and lazy, and it appears 14 times in Proverbs. It is a repeated theme over and over again in Proverbs, where, the, where Solomon, who is the author of Proverbs, warns us that there are devastating consequences when we lead a lazy life. So what I want to do with you today is what is laziness? What is sloth? And I think you and I probably have a picture of what it is, and I think you're partially right. We're going to look at some other characteristics of what a slothful person looks like that may surprise you. So let's go from the mammal sloth to an insect, the ant. Open up your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 6. We're going to be in this passage for a little while, and then we'll jump around in Proverbs. Here's Solomon talking about what it looks like to be slothful. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. 
But you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Now, when you think of wisdom, you probably don't think of the insect, the ant. But maybe we should. The other day I was getting out of my car and I looked over by my driveway and I noticed just thousands and thousands of ants in my driveway going into the grass. And I went over and I looked and there was this little piece of food that these thousands of ants were carrying probably to their nest to get ready for winter. And as I looked at those ants, I thought to myself, nothing was getting in their way, their purpose of getting that piece of food back to their nest. And so I looked up a, thing, a couple things about ants. Do you know if you put an obstacle in an ant's way and it has food, it will somehow use some kind of sidestep motion to get around that because they know they have to get around it to get to that nest or they will go hungry. Or if they have an obstacle in their way, they will push through it literally with physical force to get all these ants together, push through just so they make sure that they get the food in the nest so they don't go hungry. They have a singular purpose and nothing gets in the way of them accomplishing the task at hand. And when I look at ants and then I look at our lives, a lot of times it doesn't look like that. And that's why Solomon says, here's what an ant does and this is how you should live, but we don't always live that way. And that's why he says in verses 9 through 10, he says, you're a bunch of lazy bones. How long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Nothing gets in the way of an ant taking a piece of food to its nest. They will do whatever it takes to accomplish things. But when it comes to our lives, how many times do we make excuses? How many times do we just say, a little more sleep, a little more slumber? The idleness of folding our hands, we always make up an excuse or we look for the easy way out in life when we shouldn't be doing that. That's why Dorothy Sayers puts it this way. Sloth is the sin which believes in nothing, cares for nothing, seeks to know nothing, interferes with nothing, enjoys nothing, hates nothing, finds purpose in nothing, lives for nothing, and only remains alive because there's nothing it would die for. Many of us live, we exist, but really we're not living for anything. And we're just going through the motions to get through life. That's why Theodore Roosevelt, who are really familiar with this quote, comparison is the thief of joy. I believe this wholeheartedly, but I don't want to talk about that today. But in the same rhetoric, what laziness is doing to us is that it is the thief of life. Because of our sloth and because of our laziness, we believe a lie in such a way that we're being ripped off from a life that God has given us. Literally, when Jesus came to this earth, we always think about, okay, Jesus died on the cross. And because Jesus died on the cross, we'll be in heaven someday. And I'm grateful for that hope. But sometimes we read the Bible and forget all the things that Jesus says about life here. And when Jesus came to this earth, he literally said, I have come. My purpose is to give people a rich and satisfying life. 
That we should live in such a way that when we wake up in the morning all the way to the we go to the bed, we attack life in such a way that we know everything we do has purpose and meaning because God is in all things. We should attack our marriages that way. We should attack our families in that way, our jobs in that way, our retirement in that way, how we serve at the church in that way, how we live as a community member in that way. We have a purpose and meaning to reflect Jesus in all that we do, and we should go at it with such passion that if something gets in the way, we'll go around it because that is a deterrent of the life God gives us. We don't always live that way. In fact, we settle for laziness, and it's killing us and it's stealing from us it's the thief of life and what i want to do with you is i want to look at three ways it takes away from life tim keller in his devotional proverbs he talks about a few of these ways and i'm just telling you you may not have it all in common with all of these ways but what is god asking you to really look at today and the way we're going to look at laziness is going to be a little different especially in the end that you may think so get ready the lazy, they don't face things. Solomon says in Proverbs 26, 13, the lazy person claims there's a line on the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a line out there. Solomon uses this example as exaggeration. There's really no line outside. But he's using this for a point. There are many times in our lives that we know we need to face something. Face something hard. Face something difficult. Face something that could challenge us in some way. And yet we make up excuses so we don't have to face it. Sometimes the excuses are really small. Or other times they're as ridiculous as a lion being outside of our house. Whatever we can make up to justify why we don't want to do that thing, we will do that. For example, there's some of us in this room that have some discord with another person. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a coworker, a friend, someone that you know you have to have a hard talk with. And if you're like me, you will do whatever it takes to avoid it. And we make up excuses, little excuses, big excuses, so we don't have to face the pain of that re uh, relationship. But if we don't face that, we'll never have reconciliation. We'll never be unified like we're supposed to. But we make up excuses so we don't have to. Just yesterday, before I got to teach here on our Saturday night service, I received a message from somebody who just was criticizing me. And man, that really hurt. I sent it to my best friend. I was like, hey, will you pray for me? I sent it to Pastor Todd. And, and my whole excuse was, I'm not gonna face this. I'm not gonna talk to this person. This person's ridiculous. But then I thought to myself, am I just being lazy? Because what if I have something to learn from that person? What if that person has something to learn from me? A lot of times we make up excuses, and a lot of people will confirm your excuses if you're not going to people that are willing to tell you the truth. Or think of our lives. We don't want to face things because we're too busy. We're all busy, right? We're too busy to finish our jobs or our work at our jobs. We're too busy to be with our friends or our family. We're too busy for important things in our lives. But what's sad is we're never too busy to scroll our phones, we're never too busy to accomplish our own agendas or get everything done that we want to get done. It's funny, we don't face things because we're busy, but we're not too busy to accomplish what we think we should accomplish. Or how about in our lives where we're trying to give up a certain sin and then we excuse it or justify why we won't? 
We know we need to stop drinking because how it's hurting our families. We know we need to stop going to food to solve our issues or not eating enough because we want to look a certain way or we continue to look at pornography. But every time we do that, we justify why we do it. We don't want to face the reality that these things are hurting us and hurting relationships. So we do it anyways. And that's why laziness is the thief of life. Because it robs us of facing things that are important or weighing us down. What are you avoiding today? What is the thing that you keep putting off because you don't want to face it? I promise you that very thing is holding you back from the life God has for you. The lazy, they also don't finish things. We oftentimes think of lazy people or slothful people, they don't want to start things. But most of the time, it's not just starting things, but it's also finishing things. Solomon, he gives two funny examples to prove that. Proverbs 12, he says, lazy people don't even cook the game they catch, but the diligent make use of everything they find. Or in Proverbs 19, lazy people take food in their hand, but they don't even lift it to their mouth. That sounds ridiculous. That you have everything that you want in your hands. You went out and you did the hard work of catching your game, or you went, did the hard work of cooking your food. It's literally right there, but you don't end up completing the task. And that happens a lot in life, where we start a lot of things. And we start those things because they're important to us, but we don't finish those things. A lot of times we don't finish those things because we lack discipline or self-control. And laziness robs us of the life God wants from us. If you ask any of our staff members, they may tell you that I struggle with this because I'm one that has a lot of great ideas. Like I'm throwing out big ideas, but I don't want to finish those ideas. <laughs> I want other people to do that. I am not really good at details. I'm not really good at finishing the project. And we have such a great staff that knows that and they take it and they start telling me what we're going to do, asking me questions, reminding me 50 times that I do this, that I do this, that I do this. Because I don't always finish what I start. I'm the kind of guy that buys lots of books but don't finish my books. <laughs> There's some of you in this room that understand this. You realize that you're not healthy in your own bodies and so you're going to start a diet on Monday. By the way, why do we always start on Monday? <laughs> the reason we start on Monday is because we want to look to food to comfort us for two more days. And we think Monday is going to be the day that we don't look for, at food. And so what do we do? We order all these healthy foods and we eat healthy until Friday comes and then we open up our phones and then that Domino's app is just whispering our names and before we know it, we're eating Domino's and we slip back into another pattern and Monday comes and Monday comes and Monday comes. We start things but we don't finish it and it's having a severe disadvantage in our bodies the way we live. There's some of you in this room that go from job to job to job to job. It's always the job's fault. It's always the employer's fault. Because you start something and then you don't want to finish it. I know for me that I do this when I try to read the word. I want to find a great, perfect Bible reading plan. And I start it and I start strong. But then after a while, I'm like, what Solomon says, a little more sleep, a little more sleep. And by the time I wake up, I'm already late and I can't read the Bible because I have to get my kids ready for school. How many of us start things, we don't finish it? And some of the little examples, like a book, it doesn't matter. But when it comes to our health, physical health, when it comes to our spiritual health, it's having a negative effect in our lives because we want to take the easy way out. 
That's why laziness is a thief of life. Because it prevents us from finishing things that will make a significant difference in our lives. What did you start that you need to go back and finish? What is that thing that's nagging you that you're going to start it and put it down, start it and put it down? When do you need to be able to go from the middle all the way to the end? Finally, Tim Keller says, the lazy don't experience soul rest. Rest is really, really good. Rest is a gift from God. I always say, if God had to rest, who are we not to rest? But I'm not talking about the rest like lounging around and binging on our favorite Netflix series, which I like to do often. (laughs) I'm talking about soul rest. And this is the one that I want those of you who are busy and doers to pay attention to. If you lined up all seven deadly sins and you asked your family and friends, tell me the one that I struggle with the most. If you're a busy doer, they would probably say sloth is the thing you struggle with the least because you're the busiest person people know. You look at your calendar on your phone or at home, it is full of things. You always have something to do. You never sit around. And yet what if I told you that that kind of life can be just as lazy as those who waste their lives just sitting around all the time. Because there are some of us in this room who go, 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 go. And when we finally sit down and we take an inventory of our souls, we realize how tired we really are. That we don't have peace. That anxiety is a thread that is underneath our whole lives. And Solomon says that's a form of sloth and laziness. Solomon, he puts it this way in verse 15, or 15, verse 19. A lazy person's way is blocked with briars, but the path of the upright is an open highway. Tim Keller, he defines it this way. Laziness is not just a temperament, but a moral failing. Sloth is self-centered rather than loving. There are many of us in this room who are busy doing a lot of things to serve our own agenda. And we don't really care about helping other people unless we can get something out of it. And we live this life, this busy, busy life about ourselves. And Solomon says, when you live that kind of life, it comes with thorns or briars. When you live solely for yourself, even though you're very, very busy, when you live solely for yourself, don't be surprised when there's thorns in your marriage. Because if you're so busy doing this, 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 and this, you're probably not going to come together with your spouse. And when you got married, by the way, you became one, not two. And there are so many times in my marriage when I know we're struggling is because we're busy doing a lot of things and we haven't prioritized our marriage. Again, we're doers, doers, busy, busy, but we're lazy because we get doing things that really don't matter. And we get busy doing things that accomplish My own purpose, but not our purpose. Don't be surprised if there's thorns with your kids, thorns in other important friendships, because you don't put them first because you always are too busy putting yourself first. There's going to be thorns in your soul because you can't find rest. You were never meant to just go seven days a week, 24-7. That is a lie from the evil one. And if you are doing that, you're buying in to what he says is a successful life, not realizing it's actually laziness. 
Because selfishness is the most lazy thing you can do. It's selflessness. It's one of the most moral things you can do. See, it's no wonder that laziness is the thief of life. Because it leads to this painful life of restlessness. If you are restless in this room constantly, look at where your attention is going. If it's to yourself all the time, you may be making progress in life, but I promise you, you're going backwards in life, whether you recognize it or not. Laziness is a thief of life. And many of us have lived a life that have been robbed from what God has for us. Jesus promises that he will give you a satisfying rich-filled life. So how do you do that? How do we start today not having to live a life of sloth and laziness all the time? Well, it's interesting. Going back to this passage for a moment, again, a lazy person's way is blocked with thorns. Okay, we've seen that. But then he says the path of the upright is an open highway. That upright literally means morally upright. Now, those who are morally upright are the same as everybody else. They are flawed. They have many skeletons in their closet. They have just as many struggles as everybody on the other side. But the difference of someone who's morally upright is they recognize how flawed they really are. The morally upright understands when they look at their lives, all they see are the thorns. The thorns that hurt other people, the thorns that hurt ourselves. And it's getting in the way of freedom, the open highway. And because they're so flawed, they know they can't fix themselves. Just like you and I, if we were sick, couldn't perform surgery on ourselves. We need someone on the outside to reach in and do that. That's where Jesus comes in. Jesus wants to rescue you and I from this life of laziness. And what's so crazy is that the thorns that oftentimes we end up with because of our laziness and selfishness are the very thorns that were stuck upon Jesus' head when he died on the cross. The same kind of sharp objects that were pierced in Jesus' hands and feet. Because in exchange for our death, not just the afterlife death, but the death that laziness and other sin brings in our life, he exchanges it for life. And when you really look to Jesus, just like the morally upright do, you're no better than anyone. All you're admitting is, I can't do it on my own. I want this open highway kind of life. Jesus, give it to me. And he will. And the way he gives it to you is this, this initial, uh, initial salvation or rescuing but then he gives you all that you need to be able to live this life where you don't have to settle for a lazy, slothful life. And we do that by believing what the author of Hebrews says. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus or fixing our eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Not only does Jesus initiate our faith, not only does he rescue us, he gives us all that we need to perfect that faith. He will make us more and more like Jesus as we keep our eyes on him. And those lazy tendencies that we find in our life will slowly go away as we say, Jesus, 
It is you that I look for. And he is so faithful. I love how the rest of this verse goes. Because the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. What he did on the cross guarantees us this kind of life. And so wherever he says to go, we go. Whatever he says to do, we do. Or is how Paul elegantly puts it. For in him, we live and move and exist. If this becomes your sole purpose, when Jesus comes and says, I've come to give you life, it's not some theory. It's not some aberration that may or may happen. It is factual. And you will overflow into your marriage, overflow into your relationship with your kids, overflow into your workplace, overflow into your community because you are believing what Jesus says, not just in the beginning, but all through your life, fixing your eyes on him. And the good news is, when that happens, we can face things rather than avoid them. I'm gonna meet with this guy hopefully this week. And you know what? He may say some other disrespectful things to me or whatever, and you know what? It's okay. Because I've realized whatever he says doesn't matter. It matters in the sense of I want to learn from him, but it doesn't matter to my worth. Because my eyes are fixed on Jesus, so I can face this. Coming out on top, even if he drags me to the bottom. And you can face it too. Because your worth and value are in Jesus, not on what you may or may not do. And what's so great is we can finish what we started. A lot of times we don't finish what we started because we're fearful. Or we don't think we can do it on our own, and so we give up. You're right, you can't do it on your own. And there will be fear if you go at it alone. But with our eyes fixed on Jesus, you can do what he's calling you to do. All of those things that he has placed in your heart to finish for his glory, he will give you the strength and wisdom to do it with your eyes fixed on him. And you'll finally experience soul rest. You don't have to lead a life of anxiety. And I'm not talking about the medical diagnosis. I know that's way different. I'm just talking about the anxiety that comes when we believe lies in this world. And a lie is we shouldn't have to rest. Well, when you finally do, you will experience peace. And that peace comes from physical rest, but soul rest. And that comes when you live for other people and you live for God's glory. You see, laziness is absolutely the thief of life. And those of you who have lived lazy lives in different areas of you know it's robbed you of so many things that you can do or want to do. But thankfully for us today, Jesus, he's the redeemer of life. So we fix our eyes on him. And he not only will rescue you and give you a place in heaven, he will bring heaven to this earth. And as he is your king, he will give you the life you've dreamed of having. Pastor Charles wrote out a prayer, and I thought we would end our time reading it. I'll read it to you. Hopefully you make it your prayer. In the book of Colossians, Paul writes, Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that, master, and that the master you are serving is Christ. Heavenly Father, help us to keep this perspective as we go throughout our week. Our purpose and our work are for something and someone for far greater, and that is you. May this drive us. May this challenge us. May we work hard in all things because of who we are working for, and that's you. You are worthy, and you are worth it. In Jesus' name, amen.